Guys, this is Joey Svensson, your host today for The Pastor With No Answers. And today we're going to do a couple of things. First of all, we are going to talk to a wonderful woman who actually experienced walking through a divorce as a Christian. And then we are going to talk to a pastor who has counseled many couples and we will discuss divorce with him, get a little theological perspective from this pastor as well, and basically dedicate a whole episode to divorce. I don't like divorce. I'm not sure if anyone thinks diverse, uh, diverse, I just went country, diverse. I don't think anybody thinks that divorce is an altogether good thing. I don't think that is the topic at hand, nor the debate within or outside the walls of church. In my opinion, the hot button for me is A, trying to assess someone's life and their decision to get a divorce without being in their shoes, and B, the hypocrisy that the church has in their perception of divorce. So let's look at A, first of all. So I have heard many people say, well, I mean, obviously you can get a divorce if your spouse cheats on you or if there's any sort of physical abuse, but anything else, you just have to work through it. Well, that is a nice and simple narrative, but not always good enough. There's situations that we cannot wrap our minds around. There's situations in which the lesser of the two evils is to part ways and get a divorce. Now, do I recommend that for any of our listeners? No, I'm not saying that at all. I don't know what the listeners are going through. I don't know what your marriage is like. If I'm going to give any sort of universal advice, it would be Hey, go to a counselor, see if this thing can be worked out. So that's A. B, the hypocrisy. Now, this one frustrates me a lot. Christians seem to be so black and white on, uh, let's just say, the gay community. For Christians that believe, let's, let's talk about specifically the Christians that believe that being gay is a sin. The hypocrisy here. All right, so gay people, according to those folks, they cannot serve in certain ministry or a lot of these churches, they say, no, gay people, they can be a part of our community, but they cannot serve, they cannot teach, they cannot do any sort of functional ministry in the church. And yet, obviously, uh, at least in my experience and people that I know that have gone to other churches, people that are divorced, wide open door. I mean, it's it's just no problem. And I have heard Christians try to rash, uh, rationalize this by basically saying, yeah, well, someone who is gay, they are actively living that lifestyle. It is an ongoing admission to sin. It is purposeful, daily sinning that they should know better and they need to stop. It's not like a past sin that needs to be forgiven. And yet the Bible makes very clear that if you divorce someone and then marry someone, you are committing adultery and that person is committing adultery by being with you. That seems like a very clear, direct explanation of, hey, this divorce does not go away. You are actively, voluntarily sinning. And yet think of all the new people that have arrived at a church and they say, you know, I went through a very, very tough divorce. Now I'm remarried and the door is wide open for them to teach a small group or lead a small group, teach Sunday school, lead worship, whatever have you. They are able to do any of that stuff. So there just seems to be a level of hypocrisy. And I think that when I look at divorce, I look at it as the passage where it says, where great, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, which just means that there's, there's just never a time in which sin has mastery over us in the context of the cross, like if what we believe about God's love for us is true and that he wants us to be with him forever, it seems as if there is nothing, not 
passing, not daily 24-7 admission of a sinful lifestyle. Nothing is more powerful than God's grace. So just an encouragement to all of us. Don't you dare put someone's life in a sealed, tight little pencil box container thinking that you know the ins and outs and can make a super accurate depict or assessment of someone else's life and how they manage it by being on the outside looking in and secondly check that hypocrisy at the door well this is the pastor with no answers and we are here with jen mandigo and here's the deal you guys have heard these segments before on pastor with no answers it is a hearing from our listeners deal you just heard the intro so i don't know why i'm telling you this right now but here's the thing when it comes to the subject matter that we're going to talk about today is I've always heard that, okay, divorce, yes, you can, you can do that if your spouse is cheating on you. That's one, that's one acceptable divorce. And then the other one was, well, I mean, you can't let, you know, your husband physically abuse you. Like, you got to get out of that situation. So, you know, but still maybe move out of the house and, and still try to work it out somehow. You know, maybe he can get help or that sort of thing. But it was like very narrow lenses. Those are really the only exceptions. And I'm telling you, since we have been doing Bad Christian, and uh, I know, Jen, you're a Bad Christian listener, uh, since we've been doing that, I've, I've heard stories, people have emailed me, and I've seriously put myself in their shoes, and it, did, it, it wasn't marital unfaithfulness, there was no abuse, necess- like physical abuse, obviously I think husbands, and I mean, I, I think I've emotionally abused my wife, and she has me too, but just the, the constant damaging it, uh, abuse... Like, neither one of those were necessarily in play, but I sat there and I thought, I don't know what I would do in that situation. Like, my wife and I have worked through a lot of stuff, but the emails that I received as, you know, from people like you that's just like, why why are people so, you know, judgmental with divorces? Why do they just write people off as, hey, I just gave up on my marriage so easily? The stories I hear, I'm like, I don't know what I would do in that situation. Like, from an outsider's perspective, I'm like, I don't know if that is workable. Like, I don't know Mm -hmm. if that that can be solved. So, diving into this, first of all, I think it's important, obviously, because, you you know, divorce in in the church world is seen as like this thing that, man, if you do this, you've failed in life pretty much, whereas... The, I think the secular world, whatever you want to call it, they kind of see it as, yeah, it's just a different option. You know, a lot of people get divorced and right. everything. But what is what is your background? And and first of all, what city are you in? Uh, well, right now I live just outside of Phoenix. Gotcha. I moved here about three months ago. Gotcha. So I was in Seattle. All until right. Then, Very so. cool. Very cool. So did you grow up in like a Christian household or what, what's your... Yeah, actually, my mom is a preaching pastor, oh, as gotcha. you would call it. Oh, snap. <laughs> and she's a girl? Your mom's a girl? I know. And... <laughs> Can you believe it? Wow. Uh, so you are already started that. progressively, man. <laughs> right. So my mom was actually, she was a nurse until I was about 15. Yeah. And then she felt called to ministry and got ordained I think when I was about 18 gotcha so um not my really early childhood I'm kind of like half PK right right yeah yeah but of course uh you know very evangelically religious household we were at church you know at least three four times a week gotcha. worship team everything you could be in we were in. like what was so. this like a non-denominational affiliation um it's what? free Methodist okay. which is similar kind of to Nazarene if you're free Methodist that kind of sounds like I'm a Methodist but I'm gonna do yes. whatever I want to do like free. we get our meth for free. So, yeah. Free meth. Okay, so so let that is established. Like you okay. are someone who grew up in um, a a religious Jesusy filled yep. culture. Like you're not one of those. Oh yeah, I just go to church. You, you know, uh, from a tradition standpoint, like you right. are what someone, uh, what mainstream Christianity would call a believer. Yes. You are a Christian. You are a believer. Okay. So that's Did all a, the right thing. There you go. You're so wondering. <laughs> that is established for our listeners. And when you, when you say you've done all the right things, 
at any time, please say, Joey, mind your own business. But did you save yourself for marriage? <laughs> I did. Saved yourself for marriage. All right. So um, did you read I Kissed Dating Goodbye? <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was that was more of a joke. But bam, there you go. Definitely All right. So you have that. you have done things well. <laughs> and um, so so before before we pushed record, I, I told you that I was going to ask you to share kind of a, mm-hmm. uh, the story of your marriage and divorce, um, and it's on you to share as many mm-hmm. details as you want. But, but give, okay. us, give us the narrative, and then we, we can kind of work from there. Um, we dated for two years before we got married. All right. Uh, we got married in 2009, and... His parents are still married. My parents are still married, right? We came from intact, happy Christian families. Um, Seemed like a really good match. I mean, I don't know a lot of people that would marry someone they didn't feel like they were well matched with. Um, We'd been together for, we were together for a year. He proposed. We were engaged for a year. We got married in 2009. Did you you cohabitate? No. No cohabitation. Uh, I moved in with him after we got married. Gotcha. um, We, we moved, we... Originally lived in Oregon. We yeah. moved to Idaho for my postdoc because I was finishing my doctorate at the time we got married. And um, we were there for several years. And he got a job in Seattle. We moved to Seattle. My family's from there. That was nice. Yeah. Um, and we moved to Seattle the beginning of 2012. And for me, that was about three and a half years into our marriage. For me, that was the first time, and especially looking back now, where I see our marriage changing right. pretty dramatically. Um, so before then, you would say you had a not only a healthy marriage, but a happy marriage, like you were happily yeah. married? I was very happily married, yeah. yeah. So we, we did a lot of things together. We had a lot of mutual friends. Um, we had a really a really good time those first several years of our marriage, especially living in Boise. It was really nice. Hey, can, can I, for the, for the rest of the conversation, so he yeah. has a name. Can I give him a fake name? Can I make up a sure. name? Yeah. All right, let's, <laughs> let's go with uh, Harold. Oh, wonderful. All right. So all right, go <laughs> on with your story about Harold. So uh, in 2012, he got a really good job offer in Seattle that would really advance his career. And so um, I gave up. I was working in private practice. I gave up my private practice. We moved to Seattle. Um, and it was really hard at first. You know, Seattle's an expensive right. place to live. Yep. Um, and I didn't have a job yet. So we were trying to make it work on just his salary. And he was stressed because he was needing to make a lot of money. Right. And so he was working a lot. Right. Were you sleepless? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a job, so yeah, I was pretty poor. You were sleepless in Seattle. Oh man, I am just I'm I'm on a roll. <laughs> You're hilarious. Right. I know. Really. I know. <laughs> All right, um, so this is this is when yeah. things started to feel differently and yeah. and and how how so? I mean, just you guys not He was just he was working longer hours. Okay. Um staying late. Um he was in um tax the tax world so there's certain seasons of the year where you know you're working 16 hour days right um and for the first year i didn't have a job i was looking for a job but i didn't have one and so i was i was pretty bored and then he'd come home and he's like the only person right i've had this whole day right <laughs> of boredom so i'm like overexcited to see him he's tired and stressed out right and we really stopped doing things together that we enjoyed even simple things like going to the grocery store running errands, that kind of stuff that right. you don't even really think about, but you connect in those ways. Right. And um, we didn't have a lot of money to do a lot of things, and he was at work all the time. And so we really just didn't spend a lot of time together. Okay. And when we did, he was kind of tired and grouchy. And for me, I, I just kind of stopped pushing so hard Yeah. For, for the communication piece. Yeah. Um, so we... We were in Seattle for about a year, and then we moved to a cheaper suburb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bought a house, actually chose the land, built the house, you know, this whole thing. Right. And um, he was still working a lot. And probably that last year we were together, he um, sometimes didn't come home at night. Um, was spending a lot of time with his coworkers, would call me because he was drunk and needed a ride. Right. Um and just didn't really want to talk with me about it, where he had been, who he'd been with, <laughs> right? What was going on? Right. Now, through through then, all of this time, okay. were were there 
was there dialogue about your marriage? Like, were there conversations like, Hey, things, things aren't the same. This is going awry. We've got to do something. Right. So the pattern for us is he would pull away and I would chase. Yeah. Okay. And so he would, I would come to him and say, I'm really worried about how things are going. Like, we're just not talking. We're not doing stuff. And he would just say, you know, nothing's different. Everything's fine. I feel fine. Things are fine. And he was sort of deny, deny, deny. Yeah. Now that kind of made me feel like, am I crazy? And I actually remember getting to a point in my head where I thought, maybe this is all that marriage is. Maybe this is like as good as it gets. Yeah. Maybe this is what it is. And I just have to learn to deal with this. Right. Um, and then April 20th. 2015. Yeah. I was watching Mad Men in my pajamas after work. Yeah. It's amazing how you remember all of these things. Right. And he came into the bedroom and he sat down on the side of the bed and he said, we need to talk. And I was like, okay, I'm thinking like he wants to go out to dinner, you know, whatever, (laughs) something not serious. And he just very plainly said, not happy. Haven't been happy for a long time. I don't love you. And I'm going to move out. Yeah. He didn't use the word divorce which for me at the time meant a lot because I guess that means it's not real, right? If they don't use use the word divorce. Um, And I, of course, started crying. I was upset and I was like, what, you know, I want to talk about this. And he just said, there's nothing we can do. I don't want to go to therapy. Nothing's going to change my mind. And the next day he went to Vegas with a bunch of friends. Golly. And I stayed home and cried in my bed. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is an example of it pretty much being completely on him. I mean, right. there's nothing you can and, do. I mean, I, it takes two people for dysfunction to occur. Sure. I'm well aware of that. And I see, I mean, especially like as time moves on, I see more things that I could have done better. Right. But in that moment, I was totally blindsided. Yeah. I knew our marriage wasn't great, but I didn't think it was like divorce bad. Right. 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 Yeah, totally, totally. So here you are in a position now to where you are a divorced woman and it seems as if, like, you know, there's nothing that you could do about it. I mean, this is a a clear example of, you know, there are certain things that we can work hard on that are in our control and there are certain things we just have to say, okay, there's there's nothing, you know, nothing I could do. Give us the post-divorce ramifications as far as you know friendships church fellowship um i'm curious as as far as what your mom um you know thought and and that sort of thing and interestingly enough we um (coughs) excuse me we lost a uh a good friend of ours a couple of years ago and part of Uh his uh story his his dad told us afterwards is is that um he got a divorce and the Mm -hmm actual and his dad's actually coming on this podcast like his his divorce actually i mean it was crazy he Mm -hmm. somehow his wife hid a mental illness from him and then when he was uh, when he was married to her it was a mental illness that made him genuinely afraid for his life like he thought that there could be a chance of her killing him in his sleep or something like that and so the the very community that had his back for years and he had theirs and and that it was like his brothers mm-hmm. and sisters in Christ when he got a divorce i mean it it didn't matter why it didn't matter what the right. situation was he had make it had made a a horrible decision and it was almost like all of his community had to be like vigilant and be careful that he doesn't influence them. It was, it was just like, he was like the bad sheep and they pretty much shut him out. I mean, he pretty much felt completely abandoned by the church. Right. I think I know for me, like one of the first things that I thought, I remember crying to my mom. I was like, no one's going to take me seriously professionally. Yeah. And she's like, no, I said, no one's going to see a psychologist who's been divorced. Right. Right. And she she laughs at me and she's like, no one cares. Right. In like the real world. Right. 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 No one's going to know number one. Right. But she's like, and no one's really going to care. But for me, like that felt like if I can't keep my own relationships together, who am I to like kind of coach people through difficult times in their lives? Yeah. Um, and I mean, of course, now I'm to the point where I'm like, okay, right, I get it, I get it. But well, actually, I think it makes me a better 
clinician yeah. because I've had that experience. Yeah. But in that moment, I just felt like, oh, I'm just losing all this credibility with people. Sure. Yeah. And it's frustrating too, because it's, it's very awkward for someone to, you know, for someone to find out your, your divorce and you're like, well, real quick though, it, you right. know, I had no control over it. What happened was he told me that he didn't want to be married. you know, like, you just don't go right. there. You, you just don't go in. You yeah. pretty much have the label divorced. And so whatever people have in their mind, what that means, that's what you are yeah. to them. Well, and a lot of people, and I get it, people are, they don't want to ask me about it. Yeah. They're, they're afraid to. And so a lot of times I'll just be like, yeah, you know, we got divorced. If you have any questions, right. I'll answer them. Right. Because uh, I think, I mean, divorce, like I remember thinking, you know, I would never get divorced. It'll never happen to me. Right. And then when it was happening, you think well, people get divorced all the time. Yeah. You know, how hard could it be? Right. I mean, it is like soul crushingly painful. Like that was the first time for me that I really like that whole, you know, the two become one. Right. It felt like being cut in half. Right. To, you know, you know, every time you get happy, every time you get sad, that's the first person that pops into your head, right? Right. And all that I wanted was to go up to him and have him hold me and comfort me. And that's just gone. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. the person you go to. Yeah. For everything. That's yeah. your go to. Yeah. And they're not there anymore. Totally. So how, how so in, in general, give us a picture of how Christians responded. Like, what, did you have healthy community at the time? Yes, actually. Um I've been super lucky in that regard that my, my close friends and my close family members yeah. were really supportive. I mean, after all, they knew this person mm -hmm. and, you know, it's like when you break up with someone or whatever, you find out all the things everybody didn't like about them, right? right. That they weren't going to tell you before. So people are like, oh, well, I was worried about this or I saw that, but I didn't want to say anything. Yeah. Um, but actually the most judgment I ever received was, um, when I started dating again. Yeah. Because, Gosh. you know, like real Christian men, they don't want damaged goods, right? They don't want right. to spend right. divorce. Right. That is interesting. I mean, how, how did you, like, how did you walk through those sorts of conversations and how, how did it come up? Like, did, how did you sense their resistance? Like, did they find out you were divorced and that was date number one and the only well, one? Well, I mean, now, I mean, it's 2018, so everything's on the Computer, right right and you build you like gotcha. make profiles on some of these pages and they ask you like and i was always very forward with it but you get guys that like don't read or have no reading comprehension and they just start they think you're cute whatever they start chatting with you right. or whatever and i remember actually having a phone conversation with someone and we were hitting hitting it off and it was great and um at this point i'm like in my mid-30s so there's like oh you know what you know you don't have any kids you've never been married before and i'm like oh i've been married before right and like the kind of conversation kind of got awkward and then it ended. And then like later he texted me and he's like, I just, I don't think I can be involved with someone who's been divorced because you know what the Bible says and all of this kind of stuff. And yeah. That's just, I mean, that sucks. I mean, that tells me, okay, obviously this is not a person that I want to be right. involved with. Right. But then I also think back to me and like previous iterations of my belief when I think maybe I would have been that judgmental person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how open I would have been to marrying a divorced man the first time around. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so, I like that openness. So, right, we're all, you know, kind of moving. Right. Yeah. <laughs> recognizing that I always, I haven't always been in this place of acceptance. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Now, what in your email, you actually said something about the mm -hmm. uh, purity culture and yeah. purity culture seems to set people up for failure in their marriages. Yeah. And then when the marriages struggle or fall, there is little to yeah. no support to be found in the church. Like, what do you mean by purity culture seems to set people up I for failure? But I like for us, like me and my ex-husband, we never really talked about sex yeah. like before or during our marriage. Right. Um, and even when I would try, because you know, like a symptom of a of a marriage that's not going well is you stop having sex, right? right? Or it gets more and more infrequent, right? And that's a, a surefire symptom that something's going wrong. Um, and. I would kind of confront him on this stuff. I was like, you know, we don't have sex very much, you know, is something wrong, you know, kind of what's keeping this from happening. And he really wouldn't talk about it. And we never talked about it. Even when our sex life was healthy, there was never like, what do you like? What do I like? Right. You know, there was none of that. And I think that for me, that was really difficult because I came from this place where like girls aren't supposed to talk about that stuff. Right. You, you just wait till you're married and then it's going to be perfect. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then it'll just happen and it'll be magical and wonderful. Yeah. Um, but that, 
I mean, I'm sure maybe it happened like that for like one person. Right. For most people, right. <laughs> probably not. Right. Um, and so we didn't communicate well about that. And then it just became more and more infrequent. And that was more, you know, more to our communication problem. Yeah. But I didn't know where to go with that because I felt weird because I'm like, I'm like the higher drive person and I'm the woman and right. is that make something wrong with me. Um, and I didn't really feel like I knew where to go, like to talk to people about that, did I you, guess. Or it, to, yeah. Did you guys get any premarital counseling? We did. We did the whole, I don't know, six, eight week. Yeah. You take, you take a test or something. Prepare and enrich. I don't enrich, remember probably. what it was. Yeah. yeah, probably. Did that person. We did it through our church. Yeah. So that was probably what it was. So not to, to dish your church or anything or, or even the counselor, but did, did that person warn you guys that, hey, sex, e- even sex is probably not going to be a real easy, smooth deal. Uh, no, they marriage. did not ever talk about sex at all. Really? They didn't touch ever. sex? No. Oh my ever. gosh. I I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to sound like a, a, a dummy for bragging on myself, but I just <laughs> left a premarital council. That's why I was late because of traffic. And we oh. talked about 30 minutes on sex, masturbation, um, like uh, pregnancy and, and how you work through that, those sexless deals. Like if you're apart for two months, some people will opt for taking videos of themselves. I mean, just, Mm -hmm. we talked about absolutely everything. Like what, why is sex off the table? I I mean, I, I I mean, I mean, if you're a Christian, it's probably the only person you're doing it with. So it feels like you should probably talk about it. Right. So yeah, no, we, we did not, as far as I remember, we did not ever talk about sex in any of the premarital counseling. Gosh. So that, I mean, I understand that, that sex is a little more of a difficult subject matter to to divulge in, but it seems mm-hmm. like uh, as a counselor, if mm-hmm. you're not willing to go there, then why would you think that a husband and wife are going to be able to just naturally have great conversations about sex, which... Uh, hopefully that counselor knew you've got to have conversations about right. sex. You, you know, it's not just something that happens and improves right. well, over time without fear, conversations. Fear, if you talk about it, you're going to do it. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, if you yeah. discuss it before you're married, you're right. probably going to do it and then you're going to go to hell. I don't know. But wow. <laughs> and I think, I mean, it's uncomfortable yeah. for some people to talk sure. about probably a lot of people. Yeah. So I could see just like being like, yeah, not really going to talk about that. Cause you know, yeah. things kind of awkward. Yeah. So. Yeah, totally. Do you feel like the church sold you a lie from the standpoint that, hey, if you do things the right way, if you save yourself, you, you know, you're you're pretty much you're going to get paid back. Like if, if you do things the right way, things will go well for you. Like, did you feel like you were sold something that wasn't true. Did you feel like God, like you actually used the word unfair, which I really appreciated. I like that yeah. vulnerability that did you feel like God was being unfair to you? Did you feel like life was just super unfair? Like here you, you, you did everything right. And then it ends in divorce. Yeah, I definitely, especially at the beginning, I felt like it was really unfair. I felt like, I think it's easy to say, I felt like God was being unfair to me, but then right. I realized, you know, my ex has free will and he made some, he made some poor choices. I mean, I later found out that he was at the very minimum having an emotional affair with someone yeah. from work. Um, right. There was pornography stuff that I didn't know about. There were lots of things that I didn't find out till later that I put the pieces together. It makes sense. Yeah. But I really did feel like, okay, I've did all things, you know, the quote unquote right way in terms of, you know, Christian life. Right. And now I'm stuck in this, you know, really just awful divorce and just feeling so terrible and for me i remember feeling like when he asked me for a divorce i was like that's it i'm never gonna have kids i'm never gonna be married again like this was my shot and now it's over and i have no control over it i think for me the hardest thing was that major loss of control yeah because two people have to decide to get married but only one person has to decide they don't want to be married and that is it yeah it's over yeah gosh that's now was he uh a professing Christian, like that you guys share similar beliefs? Certainly more so before we were married and at the beginning of yeah. our marriage. Um, in retrospect, I wonder how much of that was because he knew that was important to me. Yeah. Um, because, um, I mean, as 
as far as I know now, that's not a part of his life at all. Yeah. Gotcha. Gracious. Um, what do you think about, um, the, I would even call it an Americanized love romance sort of culture. Do you think that there's, that is a little bit out of hand as well? Just the, yeah. I mean, it's not very realistic. Right. In terms of, I mean, there are times in marriage that are great and there are times that are really hard. Yeah. And this idea that, you know, if you're going to be married for the rest of your life to to one person, they're going to be like 10 different people, yeah. <laughs> like the bare minimum, right? Yeah, yeah totally. Because I think about the kind of person I was two years ago and a lot of the things are the same, but a lot of things that I believe and think and feel are really different. Right. And this idea that we're going to effortlessly be in this like breathtaking state of love with yeah. another person forever is, is just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And I think my ex, you know, he told me, he's like, well, you know, after the first year or two, I just didn't feel like I was really in love with you anymore. And I think it's like the butterfly electricity kind of stuff. It runs its course. And if you don't have anything underneath at all and you're not willing to do any work, you know, then, and alternately, you know, if one person's not willing to work and one person is, then you're not really going to end up anywhere. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, so you said early on that you... You know, and and I agree with you that there's always some blame that can be accepted on both sides. But what mm-hmm. what are some of the things that rethinking this that may not have been able to salvage to have salvaged your marriage, especially if it was, you know, if it boiled down to he didn't feel in love with you, and so he called it quits. But what are some things that you think that you could have done differently? I think, you know, I, I really recognize a lot. I'm like a pretty sarcastic person and I can be kind of biting. And for me, it's all kind of like, it's a joke. It's kind of a funny thing. Right. But some people are more sensitive than others. And some people are like, whoa, that was really harsh. Or they think you're kind of mean. And I think he was more sensitive than I thought he was. Yeah. And I think when I like made digs at him and stuff like that, I thought he thought it was a joke or took it as a joke. Right. But seeing him in a different way like because he didn't tell me it hurt his feelings because i think a lot of men aren't going to really be like you hurt my feelings right because they think that they should be tough right right? um i i can see lots of situations where um i probably really hurt his feelings and things that i shouldn't have said right but since we never talked about it i didn't know that so i couldn't really change that behavior yeah um and i i see that now as probably one of the one of the more difficult, like looking back on that things that I really regret. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of being critical of him and, and not being as much of a supporter as I could have been. Yeah, totally. Do you still struggle with resentment towards him? And like when you, uh, you know, I don't know what his current status is, but if, and when you hear about him dating or see him on Facebook Mm -hmm. or have you, I mean, have you, manage to separate yourself completely and it's kind of like out of sight, hopefully out of your mind soon or where are you at with that? Um, so we, I have not seen him in person for over two years. Yeah. Um, I think signing divorce papers was the last time I physically saw him. Right. Um, there's a few texts back and forth every once in a while. When I moved, I found some papers that were his, you know, what's your address? I'll mail these to you. Yeah. So kind of there's some occasional contact. I'm still, there's another whole weird can of worms, but I'm still actually really close with his family. Yeah. Um, especially his mom and sister and right. some of my former sisters-in-law. Um, it's kind of weird, especially when you think about kids. Like I had a nephew, like kids that were part of my life that I love. And then when you get divorced, it's you're like, okay, I guess I'm just like not, I mean, I'm not related to you anymore. Do we just never see right. each other again? Right. <laughs> You know, we've spent 10 years cultivating this relationship, and now we're just supposed to hate each other and never Gosh. talk. Um, actually, just a couple of weeks ago, his parents have a second home down here in, in uh, the Phoenix area. And um, when they come visit, they usually invite me over when have dinner. Yeah. Um, they've met my current husband. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's not part of that. We, we make sure we don't, like, run into each other. Right. But I still have, you know, really great relationships with, friends and family that I met through our marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And how, what was your, what was your transition period timeline wise as far as, uh, divorce, remarried and, and all of that. And, and what, and was the transitionary, uh, trend, I don't know what the right word is, but was that span of time, 
super difficult, like being uh, divorced and feeling alone and, mm-hmm. you know, obviously wondering if you're ever going to find someone else to marry? The hardest part for me, so we were separated for almost two years before we were legally divorced. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I wasn't going to file, number one, because it cost money, and number two, because it wasn't my idea to get divorced. Right. So the ball was in his court on that, and I don't really know why he waited as long as he did. Yeah. Um, in some ways, that was damaging because it left me feeling hope, like maybe he's waiting because he's not sure kind of thing. Right. And for me, I really, I prayed and I tried as hard as I could to be loving and open until the day we were legally divorced. Yeah. Because I wanted to leave room for God to do whatever right. God was going to do. Right. And, and to say, and I, I was very clear with my ex on that. I said, the door is open, but once we're divorced, that's it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, part of that was painful because there was that hope. Like maybe he's waiting because he's not sure. Right. I honestly don't know why he waited as long as he waited. I don't know if he was busy. It wasn't a priority. I have no idea. Yeah. But we ended up getting divorced in the fall of 16. Yeah. And I got married August of 17. Gotcha. Nice. <laughs> so it was fast turnaround yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, well, by the time I was actually legally divorced, I mean, it had been almost two years. I'd right. done a lot of the really painful kind of healing yeah and that time and i was very um mindful i didn't i didn't date there was none of that i did not some people still you date when they're still separated kept and doing divorced. things the right way uh, Gracious. i know <laughs> i know I, uh, I did i wanted to wait until i was you know even though we had no yeah. relationship yeah for sure um, that's commendable I to be legally divorced from him and you know crazy you know god is wild and my mom will tell you that god gives ever imagined and i thought maybe i'd get married again but i right. a long time down the road yeah and one of my dear friends who i've known since i was 16 yeah. and i you know we started talking more and more and he had gotten divorced a few years before i did yeah and we talked more and more and we started dating and we got married and he's a great guy who i've known for over 20 years yeah so that's the whole short engagement period yeah yeah definitely. and um we've been married for almost a year now he has two kids so i'm doing the stepmom thing another thing i never thought i'd have in my life is kids because you know i felt like maybe that ship had sailed for me yeah um and i am truly happier than i have ever been in my life and it's so different to you know i remember before i was divorced and kind of when i was in it thinking how do you marry again and not always compare everything right well you do (laughs) i'll tell you now you do compare everything right but for me the comparison has been wow, what a difference to be with someone who is 100% my partner who I don't feel like I'm mothering or chasing after. You know, I'm not the one who's pursuing. Yeah. It's like sort of this mutual this mutual um, friendship that we have, I think because it, our relationship was based on friendship. Right. Like he really is. I always thought it was like really stupid and cheesy when people are like, he's my best friend. Right. And now I'm totally that person. Right, right. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so, you know... Josh really is my best friend. Yeah. And even when, you know, I'm not feeling lovey-dovey, we're still, you know, cracking fart jokes. Right. Having a good time together. Yeah, for sure. We've known each other for so long. For so sure. I really love him because I moved to Phoenix and it's 109 yeah. degrees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that I always say when we have these sorts of discussions on divorce, I mean, my the, mm-hmm. the objective here isn't to... Uh, minimize the hurt from divorce or, mm-hmm. or even set people up to be like, oh, okay, so there is a way out. Let's start talking. It, it's it's <laughs> right. not to neutralize the significance and even the severity of the damage that can come from divorce, but it's to kind of turn it upside down and say, first of all, don't you think God's rules are in place to protect us? He hates divorce mm-hmm. because it hurts people. But secondly, don't like... You, you have to accept the fact that you haven't walked in someone's shoes. And if you haven't walked in someone's shoes, you don't know their story. And if you don't know their story, just don't put them in this little box of divorce people. Like here's divorce people and they all have one common thing. And that's, well, they all failed. You know, it's just, I, I just. Well, I've met people, I've met people who have gotten divorced for all sorts of reasons. And it's really taught me to suspend judgment. Right. No one really knows what happened in that relationship except those two people. Right. 
And my job is to be a supportive person, helping them make good choices. Yeah. Um, I went, I went, I joined a divorce group for, um, it's called divorce care. I don't know. You probably heard of it. Yep. Yep. Um, I ended up doing that and there's, you know, some issues with that, but (laughs) ultimately I met some really amazing people who are also going, you know, through the same journey. I was people who had been married for 40 years, people who had been married for one year, people who were young, people who were old. And there were people in there that their marriage was ending because they cheated. Right. There were people in there because they got cheated on or they were, you know, physically or emotionally abused. There was every reason under the sun with, you know, different percentages of blame yeah. assigned to each party. But everybody was hurting. Yeah. Nobody was like, Woo, this is so awesome. Even if the divorce was their idea and what they wanted. Yeah. Um, so divorce is horrible and it sucks no matter what the reason. Right. And I'm just not interested in judging people for, you know, whatever reason they ended up getting divorced because it's not, it's the kind of pain I would never wish on anyone right. ever. Right. For sure. Well, this has been awesome. I appreciate you sharing your yeah. story. And, uh, it, you know, I definitely think when, when people are willing to share their story, just the whole vibe of community and people being able mm-hmm. to hear that. And, you know, maybe someone is going through a divorce right now. There's just, it's kind of like team humanity. So I appreciate right. you doing right. your part. <laughs> All right. So let me ask you this outside of, and, you know, I would say this maybe is in the realm of theological beliefs, personal beliefs, convictions, and all that sort of thing. Outside of marital unfaithfulness or uh, abuse, so physical, emotional, but a situation where most human beings would be like, you need to get out of that situation. This is very, very bad for you. Would Chip Judd ever recommend divorce like are there ever situations and you've you've i mean you know i i say it somewhat uh exaggerating way but you've seen it all man you've seen it all has there ever been have you ever been in a situation where you're just like i don't think this is workable and there's no marital unfaithfulness and there's no abuse but you're just like i just don't know if they're going to be able to figure this out and they're going to be miserable for decades trying to figure it out. No, um, I've never recommended divorce. I would say under any circumstances. Mm -hmm. Now I have supported people in their decision to divorce. I'm splitting hairs a little bit, sure. but to my, to my recollection, I have never said to anyone under any circumstances, you should divorce this person. Has it ever been tempting? <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Many, many times. So so um, now what so that that's that's interesting. I'm I'm surprised by just this exception. What I mean, you had to have talked to um couples in which either the husband or the wife was really being uh, abused emotionally or even physically. Right, right, so was that right. one of those situations where you said, okay, you guys need to live in different places. You need to get help. And then maybe you guys can come back together. Yeah. Well, like a, a, a fairly common, in other words, a, a strategy I've used often, often on over the years is this. Um, I, I meant the vows. I said to you, I love you. Uh, assuming this is still true you know, in the person, uh, I would like to stay married. I'd like to have a great marriage. Of course, then the next word is, but the way we're living right now is unsustainable. And, and so then here's the, here's the thing I would say to them. I will, uh, be happy to go to counseling with you. I'll be happy to pursue whatever, uh, means we need to get healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'll, 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 Trust God, believe God, whatever. And so let's say the person doesn't want to pursue health and counseling. Then what I would encourage the person, or I I say encourage, what I would support the person and probably recommend is then tell them that you'll stay married to them from a separate address. Yeah. And and here's, here's the underlying kind of spiritual premise I'm functioning on. Uh, Whatsoever God's put together, let no man put us under. Yeah. 
All I'm trying to say is, if God didn't put it together, let God split it apart. And um, so and I've would, seen him do that. So, you, I mean, so God, I mean, there's no way of getting around the fact that God sees divorce as a solution sometimes because he didn't put it together? Well, I mean, I think it's pretty presumptuous to think that he put every marriage together. Right. So when we, in other words, I'm, I'm happy to hang with exactly what scripture teaches, but with the caveat that how absurd is it to believe that every marriage began in heaven? Yeah. Every, every marriage began in the heart of God. So let's let's look closer at what you're saying as far as you will support you you said that you would support someone's decision to get a divorce in some cases, correct? Am I saying that correct? Yes. So what yes. does that look like because obviously if a couple comes in uh for counseling that initial time and they said, "Hey, we're just letting you know we're probably going to get a divorce. We just don't think this can work." I I have a hard time hearing Chip say Okay, well, let's talk about divorce. No, 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 no. Right, right, no, right, I mean, right. So yeah. my question is, at what point do you transition from, no, 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 come on, we can make this work. Let's work on this. Let's try to understand. Let's, let me teach you some practices. Let me help you. Like, this is going to take hard work and all of that. At what point do you transition from that never-say-die attitude to Okay, uh, you know, I, I, I wish that you guys wouldn't do this. I'm here for you if you want to keep trying, but I understand. Well, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't do the rah-rah stuff. I wouldn't do the, oh, come on, you got to hang in there. I wouldn't do that. First appointment, they say, hey, it looks like we're not going to make it. I would just say, hey, if that's the deal, then you don't need to meet with me. Meeting with me, you're saying we want to figure out if this thing can be saved. And uh, let's start digging around. Let's let's look into your background, his background, her background. Let's talk. What got you here? How'd you get here? And in other words, I'm going to do everything exhaustively as possible to figure out and to observe, um, it, you know, where is God in this room? Is, is God here? Is he, uh, you know, we talk about a threefold cord, you know, husband, wife, God. Well, is God is God there pulling with them? Is um, uh, you know, so I mean, to, for me, it's never a quick thing. It's never, but on the other hand, I don't do the rah rah stuff either. I don't shame people. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I know is this: it's easy to live the right. It's easy to live the truth sitting in an office. It's not easy to live it when you go out the door. Yeah. And they're the ones that have to live it. So. Uh, I'm I'm not going to be so now if I think they're being flippant about it or selfish or, you know, like, oh, you know, it's just not fun anymore. Yeah, we're going to, you know, we're I'm not going to support anything close to that. Yeah. But but if if it's clear. One or the other or both are really giving it their best, which, of course, is imperfect. And, you know, one or the other is like you know, doing horrendously harmful things. Um, you know, I'm going to figure out a way to move the ball off center. Yeah. Have and you ever have either, you ever, either push it over the cliff or save it. Yeah. Have you ever lost your cool with a dude and like really snapped? <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Like, yeah. like what, what, cause I've, I've really tried to respect the fact that okay that's still her husband she's still his wife and so i don't want to go you know big brother mode and and start but there has i've i've been in one situation in which the husband made it clear he's in my living room and he makes it clear to me priscilla and his soon to be ex-wife i'm done i'm walking out there's nothing you can do to stop me. And and this is after like an hour of conversing and me trying to get him to understand how this is going to, you know, destroy his kid and not a good decision. And so he says that he makes it clear. And then he signals 
for his soon-to-be ex-wife to come with him. And at that point, he gave me full permission to say, nope, we'll take her home. See you later. Because he, I mean, in my opinion, he Mm -hmm. was just like, that's it. We're done. I'm like, how dare you signal for her to get in your car? I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would, I would be with you on that. He's abdicated his responsibilities. Therefore his authority, power and privileges. And then I shot him. There you go. (laughs) There you go. I don't know where you buried the body, but it must've been pretty good. (laughs) Right. Did she get the life? Did she get life insurance? Oh yeah, that's why I did it. I, I was right. it was the godly yeah. thing to do, man. I mean, it was the yeah, brotherly was, thing to do. That was just a preliminary question, Joey. The real question is, did she tithe on the life insurance? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. A couple of preachers here. We got to get down to what really matters. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely. You know what? I'm glad. I'm kidding. Called, I'm glad you called me out because that was why I shot him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we're we're officially acting like idiots. Yeah. So from premarital counseling to not talking enough about sex to not talking enough about how hard marriage is, what are some of the most significant needed changes in how the church handles marriage from the premarital part to how marriage conferences function to how marriage is taught about to what's not discussed discussed enough like do you think there needs to be some major uh revamping with how the church handles marriage in general i mean gosh joe you you got a week you want to talk about all that you just said i mean <laughs> i i would say this to give you a quicker answer um uh, gosh this is going to sound terrible not a big fan of premarital counseling the way it's done in some circles my deal is i think premarital counseling is all about making sure their eyes are open and they see what's going on with each person. In other words, you know, uh, it's great to do some kind of uh, diagnostics tools and stuff like that. It's great to look at family origin stuff. In other words, just do you, you know, as best as, as you can, do you know what you're getting yourself into? Right. Now, what I'm saying, what I mean about not being a big fan is, at the same time, it's not my job to tell you you should or shouldn't get married. Um, now, I, I've had times where I said you're in the highest possible category of risk there is. Am I going to tell you you shouldn't get married? No, but I'm going to tell you I'm not going to marry you. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I'm just a real fanatic about one thing. Whoever makes the decision is responsible for its outcome. So I don't want to make the decision for somebody else's life. I'll do everything I can to give them the information they need, the insight they need, opportunity to hear from God, but I'm not going to make the decision for them. Yeah. And, um, and I'm going to be there to most of the time, I'm going to be there to pick up the pieces if things fall apart. Now, what could, what do I think is one of the biggest things the church can do? Um, I think, I think aftercare is more important than pre-care. Yeah. Like, um, the best thing we can, we in the church could do is, is take our own marriages seriously and, and build, <laughs> what are you laughing about? It's you just, it's so true. And yet it's just, nobody thinks this. <laughs> I, I, I don't even have a response to that, Joey, I'm, other than sadly, you might be correct. I mean, to, let, let's just start at the very top. And I, I won't, but let's just name all the big time pastors that I'm sure had many beautiful series on marriages. And little did we all know their own wives were starving just for some emotional connectivity. I mean, yeah, but see, I mean, you're, you're, you're open being up. judgmental. Yep. Well, yeah, probably. But discerning is maybe a kinder word, but you're, you you know, you're opening up avenues of discussion because here's the deal. Uh, Nobody should be trusted that is not demonstratively under some kind of authority. In other words, any, any church I go into, the first thing I want to meet is the, is the gentleman's spouse. And I say gentlemen, because normally men are the senior pastors. So 
if I really want to get a feel for what this guy's really like, not how well he preaches, biggest churches, whatever. If I really want to know what kind of a guy he is, I want to meet his wife. And his wife, if his wife doesn't feel cherished and well-nourished and treated as, as if she's the second most important gift this guy's ever received, Jesus being the first, um, then I, I, I already know there's problems. So, uh, and then secondly, the second thing I would look for is, are there clear avenues where other people can correct and challenge this guy? If 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 he can't be challenged without high cost to the people around him, then he's hiding stuff. Yeah. Oh, well, how do you know he's hiding stuff? Because we all are. Right. And and the only way we 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 not hide stuff is intentionally live in a world full of light to where we can't hide. And we still can if we really, 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 really want to. Yeah. But a lot of these guys that have gotten in trouble, Joey, I don't. Honestly, I'm as mad at the church for being so so undiscerning. Right. Um, I don't know how you can't see, even even in as remote a place as the pulpit. I don't know how you can't see sy- symptoms of unhealthiness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. So you have, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to just speak super general. I mean, I'll, I'll just say specifically. Um, a, a couple that you have counseled through super difficult stuff is Priscilla and I. So you've, you've counseled many couples. What seems to be, you know, cause obviously uh, couples end up divorced because of things that they're trying to work through and are having a hard right. time. What are the, what are the main ones? I mean, is it really sex and money or <clears throat> what would no, you say? no. Cause sex and money are symptoms, not a cause. Um, it's a cheesy answer maybe, but I would say, and I even, when I teach it, I call it this, the number one relationship mistake most people keep making, and that's including Christians. And it would be the fancy Bible word for it is idolatry. And what I mean is using a person or thing to meet a need only God can meet. In other words, if I'm, if I'm expecting you expectation, keyword. Uh, frustrations, the gap between expectation and experience. If I'm expecting you, my wife, yeah. Joey, you're my wife. Oh my gosh, you're awesome. <laughs> but uh, if I'm expecting you, my wife, to meet my need for love, we're already in trouble right. because I was created to have a love affair with God. Therefore, the only love that can fill my tank is God's. So everybody else I'm holding accountable for me, making me feel loved is is in in a world of hurt. Yeah. And then now now go to sex and money. Idolatry is using using the wrong thing to meet a right need. So money's usually about security, self-esteem, uh, you know, whatever. Uh sex is uh you know, sex is a counterfeit form of affection. It's a counterfeit form of a lot of things. Um if, if all like money, sex, whatever, if it's if it's in its proper category, only expected to do what it's supposed to do. Marriages don't split over that. Yeah. Marriages split over things that are being that are expected to do a job they can't do. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I just don't feel loved, Joey. Well, you know, I, I, I need to work. I need to up my game. But even if I played a perfect game, I can't fill your love tank. Right. Yeah. Well, you, I, to your wife, well, I need more sex. Well, you know, it's possible you do need more sex, but is sex in the right place in your life? Or are you, you know, all been out of shape literally by Pam, pornography-assisted masturbation, to the place that your approach to sex is initiated and inflamed by perverts who produce pornography that you built your psychosexual schemes. And, you know, yeah. I mean, am I making any sense? Yeah. I know I'm talking no, totally. kind of fast. Totally. No, so, so the bottom line is, and again, I know I'm a pastor, so I'm supposed to say this, but um, it really is important that God be at the center because he, he virtually covers 
all of the mayor's destroying things. And, um, and he gives us a safe place to deal with the reality that my marriage is just being used by him to show me what I need to work on. Yeah. And we get to love each other while we're working on it. Yeah. Do you think that there is, well, let me put it this way. Do you think that we're in an unhealthy way overboard on the, on the purity culture, premarital purity, and not that I am an advocate for sex before marriage and, and all of that, but are we so obsessed with it to the point where I think this is a possibility. There's a possibility that we say, you know, save yourself to marriage, flee from all sexual morality. That's what the Bible says. Uh, and if you do all that, everything's going to be just fine and sex is going to be the most amazing thing because you saved it for a person like are are we not is there is there room for a little more realness isn't the truth hey you're probably you know strive to save yourself but don't beat yourself up if if you mess up but god's wanting you to protect you from hurt and oh yeah, by the way, if you do save yourself, uh, sex is not always super fun and easy, and your honeymoon may be a disaster. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't you're a cheery guy. Man. <laughs> don't I mean? Don't we have a, a a weird narrative with with purity culture that kind of set? Yeah, I I, I think. Um, I mean, I think we should seek to honor God. We mm -hmm. should do our best to honor God. I believe. Uh, you know, walking in whatever degree of purity you can manage prior to your wedding is a way of inviting God to your wedding. You know, God, uh, not just to your wedding, but to your marriage, to your life. God, we want we want you in our marriage when we're married. So we're going to try to keep you in our life now and not do things. So, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to say it's not a big deal. But then the other side of the coin is um, it's not the unpardonable sin. And uh, everything you just said, I would probably agree with, you know, the, 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 the fairy tale that if you if you save yourself, you know, from night one, you're going to have this explosive firework sex every night because you saved yourself. Right. And um, now, like I said, is it right to honor God? Yes. Is it right to honor each other by both of you having the strength to say I am really looking forward to doing that. I mean, I, I want to do that so badly with you. I mean, I could explode, but I, I, I want to do, I want to do this right. And, um, and I, and I think, see, here, here's, here's a little underlying thought that I have. Um, we develop muscles when we hold, hold to the, to a line. In other words, when I say, God, I, I, I want to live purely till I'm married. I have to I have to develop the no muscle. I have to develop the ability to say no to myself, no to this person I'm about to marry. And then here's the deal. That no muscle I'm going to need after I'm married. Mm. So, it's kind of it, it's you know, it's kind of like we think, well, impurity is an issue before we're married. Dude, what planet are you living on? Right. Impurity is an issue till you stop breathing. Um so it's all part of the same game. It's all part of exercising the muscles of obedience yeah and again not the unpardonable sin oh if you had premarital sex you you know your marriage is cursed i mean you know give me a break um <laughs> but so what but so, it, yeah um last question about all of this um when you when let's say someone comes up to you and they say man i i'm just I'm beating myself up. I actually got a divorce and I got a divorce because I had an affair and my wife wanted to work it out still, but I was in love with someone else. Um, now fast forward five years and I'm still in love with my current wife, but man, I'm just starting to familiarize myself with the Bible. And I just read this stuff man G actually jesus says anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery and the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery dude i'm screwed man what do i do do 
divorce her and try to get back with my ex-wife who's who's married am i constantly living in a state of adultery like what what does chip do with that verse when it comes to applying it to real divorces because let's face it there's a lot of divorced and remarried christians i mean i i would think it'd be a great opportunity for this guy or this lady to take a look back at how they blew up their first marriage um, really slow down and learn from it. Learn the self de- self deception, the delusion, the uh, the hardness of heart that made them unteachable to people that were probably trying to help them. In other words, just really try to wring out of what they did to their first marriage everything that God would want them to learn from it. But you apply Scripture from today forward, not backwards, and. Um, Oh, I like that. The the bottom line is treat this marriage like it was your first and give it everything you have and and make it everything Jesus intended for a marriage to be and don't keep looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Um Awesome. Awesome. Well, Chip, how is your sixth marriage going? I haven't asked you in a while. You know, hey, the first five I learned a lot, Joey. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Turkey, I've been married 42 years, dude. Dang. Awesome. 42 years. I mean, that's all six of them added together. <laughs> <laughs> I've been married 42 years to the same wonderful woman. Let's get that on record. That's awesome. Dude. Now, now I've had sex 4,633 times. <laughs> wow. That's really I just, obsessive I just, that you keep track of that. That's awesome. I just made, I just made that up. <laughs> I'm going to do the math and see what the average that is. <laughs> I sort of did that one time when I was getting ready to do a talk to a bunch of young people. Yeah. I, I kind of gave a stab at it. At the time, it was around that number. <laughs> but it's probably, you know, two or three times that now. <laughs>